Spirit. Today, I want to talk about the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. Um, we just read from Galatians, and Paul is talking about the importance of keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, being led step by step um, by the Holy Spirit. And he talks about two ways that we can be led in the, in, in, when he writes this. He said that we can be led according to the flesh. Uh, this is not our bodies, right? This is not, he's not talking about our physical bodies here. He's talking about when he uses the word flesh, um, is, he's talking about the sinful worldly disposition um, of uh, our humanness, right? If you look up the Greek word, it's called sarx. You have to roll the R, sarx. And that word has many different meanings. It can actually mean like our physical meaty flesh of our bodies. It can mean talk about a person, talk about man as a whole. It can talk about animals, living creatures. But the way that Paul is using it here in this definition, he's, talk, he's using the mere human nature, the earthly nature of man, apart from the divine influence and therefore prone to sin and opposed to God, right? So saying we could be led by the flesh. Um, he talks about it in 1 Corinthians 2. It says the natural or the soulish person um, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things but, he, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who understands the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So we can be governed by the flesh or our soulish nature, um, the natural human aspect of who we are, or we can um, be led by uh, the spirit. We can be governed by the spirit uh, and see things from the spiritual perspective. I don't think I need that. Spiritual perspective and the spiritual world. Paul says that our, our natural state leads us down a path of the flesh. He says uh, this flesh, Claire just read it, is like sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enemy, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, um, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, he talks about this path that our flesh, our our humanness, or the, the sinful nature that is within us will lead us down this path, right? Um, and then we, we, we can be influenced and walk the path of the Spirit, uh, which produces the fruit of the Spirit, which is, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, faithfulness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. Now, um, we, can, we can't be influenced by both of these at the same time. We feel like that we can. Yes, we have somebody else. Josh! <laughs> we, sometimes we feel like we can be influenced by um, both of these things at the same time. We feel like, you know, I'm growing in the spirit, but I'm also growing in, in, in my fleshliness. That doesn't, it's, that's not the way, right? We only are focused on one at a time. If we're focused on our flesh, um, the spirit decreases, right? But if we're focused on the spirit, our flesh decreases, right? It's like a seesaw. And Paul says that we, like, he, he says that without, before we were saved, we couldn't even accept the things of God. Um, it was ridiculous to us. Things of God seem ridiculous to us. If you ever uh, talk to somebody that's really worldly and, uh, and is, doesn't believe in God, um, and, and when you try to talk to them about God, they think that you're stupid. They think that you're ridiculous. You know, I've had conversations like this with people, and as soon as they find out that I'm a Christian, they automatically think that I'm dumb, right? 
you know, that, that we're, we're like, you know, uh, our intelligence is, is lacking. Um, and that's what the world sees as the things of God. They see it as folly. And they, we couldn't understand because the things of God are spiritually discerned. And we were dead in our spirit. Before we came to know the Lord, we were dead in our spirit. Our spirit man was dead. But when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are made alive in the spirit. We are made alive in him. And the Holy Spirit now lives in us, and our spirit connects with the Holy Spirit, and now he guides us on a path to following Jesus and his commandments. Right? Um, but you have to see, although we are alive in the spirit, we still have a soul. Right? That word soulish doesn't really make sense in the English dictionary, but in the, in, the, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, it actually makes a lot of sense. Soulish means things that come from, it's like an adjective version of the word soul. So when, when Holy Spirit breathed, when God breathed his life into us and we received the soul, right, everybody has a soul. Every man has a soul. We all have a soul. So it's a good thing to have a soul, but that soul is not redeemed. That soul is, is, is from the flesh, right? It's, it's, it's what gives us our emotions. It's what gives us our understanding of, of the things around us, the natural state of the world, the natural way that, that everything is, the soulishness of us comes from that. It's our emotions. It's our understanding of certain things of the world. It's the way that we see the world and the way that we perceive the world. And he's saying that before the Spirit, Holy Spirit, we, could, we couldn't even look and think and un- even understand the things of God. But we still have a soul. When, when we receive Christ and we have the Holy Spirit, He dwells in us, but we still have a soul. We still have the soulish nature. That's why Paul tells us to continue to walk in step with the Spirit. He's telling this to Christians. He's like, come on, you guys have to walk in step with the Spirit. You have to be led by the Spirit of God because if you're not being led by the Spirit of God, you're actually being led by something else. You're being led by your flesh, right? You're being led by the, the fleshliness of, of what makes you a human being. And it's a choice. It's not a choice that we make once, but it's a choice that we continually have to make every day to connect with we have to connect with the Holy Spirit. We, we can't allow our flesh to rule over our lives. And you know, even me, um, you know, like there's days where I feel like I'm being led by the flesh. You know, and, and, and you know what happens at the end of the day that I'm being led by the flesh? It's very unproductive. It's very just like, bah, you know, like, like you know, it's just, it's just, I just feel like, you know, I just, I just don't feel like myself because I know, that you know, I'm, I am alive in the spirit, but I'm actually being led by something that is not supposed to lead me. It's like putting these—it's putting diesel gas into like a gasoline engine. We ha- our car um, is run by diesel gas, right? And it has big letters when you open the cab. It says diesel, right? And it, but if you put like diesel gas into a car that runs uh, on gasoline, it like it just—it'll run for a while, right? It'll run, but as soon as the engine starts to like be filled with diesel gas. It just shuts down. And, and you have to literally flush out all that diesel gas and then clean it out. And you sometimes you have to take apart the engine so that when you, and put it back together for it to work right. right. And that's like what it is for us when we're being led by the flesh. We're being led. We're alive in the Spirit. Holy Spirit is in us, but we're, we're being led by this, this force that is not supposed to lead us. And, and it leads us down doesn't seem like it. Sometimes we just feel lazy. Sometimes we just feel like blah. We just feel like fleshly. But it actually is leading us down a path to destruction. 
And Paul is saying that, you know, as our flesh dies, as it decreases, um, when we walk in the Spirit of God and we start facing Him, the Spirit comes alive and the, and the flesh dies. He says that those that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. We kill the flesh. Right? And it's not done just one time. I, I've killed flesh before many times, and I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, alive, I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit, and then all of a sudden something happens. Right? My, my mind shifts or something happens, and all of a sudden I feel all you know, being led by the flesh, and then all of a sudden I have to go in and crucify my flesh again. Um, this is sanctification. This is what we live our lives. When we live our lives for Christ, he says that we have to pick up our cross daily. And it's not something that just happens to us automatically as we become Christians. And today I want to talk about what Paul is talking about here uh, as being intimate with the Holy Spirit. He's saying be in step with the Spirit. Right? Be in step. Walk in step with the Spirit. This is talking about intimacy with the Holy Spirit. As we walk in step with the Spirit, we're being led and we're being guided by the Holy Spirit. And this is an intimacy that we can have with the Holy Spirit that's going to propel our lives and, and, and actually activate like the spiritual, supernatural part of what makes Holy Spirit who He is in our lives. I talked about it a few weeks ago about fellowship and communion with the Holy Spirit. When we're saved, we come into this fellowship, we come into this communion, he comes alive in us. He becomes our friend. And the Bible says that he will never leave us. John 14, 16, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is coming. He will be with us forever. Right? That's the communion. Right? We, we are together. We are, we are one. He's our friend. And as the Holy Spirit dwells in us, what he wants in us is intimacy. What he wants from us is intimacy. He wants to not just have recognition. He doesn't just want us to be close. He wants intimacy. He wants dependence on Him. I think the closest earthly example that we can use to describe this relationship is marriage. You know, Jesus talks about that He's the bridegroom and we're the bride. God is preparing us for a marriage. Right? And marriage did not come first. Right? The relationship that we have with God came before marriage. came, Because right? He knew us even before the foundation of the earth. He knew how He wanted to know us and experience us and be in relationship with us even before he created this thing called marriage. Marriage is a reflection of our relationship and the, pot the potential relationship that we will have with God. Right? And I think God gives us marriage so that we can just have a small glimpse into what it's like to be intimate with God, intimate with the Holy Spirit. You know, Mina and I got married, um, and you know we... As Christians, we believe that marriage is till death do us part, right? And we're we're going to be together until one of us dies, right? Forever, you know? But Jesus says that he hates divorce, you know? And, and in the same way, he says that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That's just his way. It's the Holy Spirit will always be with us. If we're truly believers in Christ Jesus, Jesus tells us he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And in any marriage, it takes time and effort to build intimacy. Amina and I are in this relationship for life, but it's hard at times. It's not easy. Marriage, like any relationship, is not just doesn't just come naturally. And I can do things that can cause Mina to shut down, and, and I can do things to make her come alive and make her feel be filled with joy. 
And we have to understand the Holy Spirit being a person, right? We talked about it. He is a person. He has a personality. He has a, a, a mind. He has a emotions. He has a will. He's a person. And in the same way, we can do things to foster intimacy and connection with him. Or we can do things to create distance, to, to do things that make him shut down, make him feel, be quiet. You know, when I, you know, and I first got married, uh, and we, we got into our first fight, I didn't understand what was happening when she would shut down. Right? We would get into this fight. I don't even know what it was about, but then she would just shut down. Right? In the middle of a conversation, she would just walk away. And this was illogical to me because I'm the type of person that's like, if we have a problem, let's fix it now. Right? That's, that's the type of person. I'm the fixer. Like, I, I, like if, I, if I have issues with you, I don't want to linger. I don't want that to linger inside me all this time. I just wanted to get it. I just wanted to put it out in the open, and I just want to talk with her. Um, so that we can, you know, figure this out. Let's get into this. Let's fix it now. But she would be quiet. She would just go into another room, and she would start doing some random thing, like organizing her closet out of nowhere. She, she's not thinking about organizing her closet. We get into a fight. All of a sudden, she goes into the room, and she starts organizing her closet, right? And I try to talk with her, and she's like, not now. I don't, can't talk with you now, right? right? And this would infuriate me, because this is the complete opposite of... of of who I am and the way that I process my emotions. But I didn't understand her personality. I didn't realize her sensitivity. That's the word that we have to use with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is very sensitive. I didn't realize the way that I spoke to her made her shut down. It wasn't the fact that we were in a fight. It was the fact that I spoke to her in this way. I was speaking to her in this tone that made her shut down. It was my tone. It was the fact that when I yelled, it reminded me her of her, it reminded her of her mom, right? And I was not sensitive to her in the way that I communicated my frustration, and she was shut down. She would be quiet. And it's, it's very scary sometimes, right? And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit is very sensitive. He is very sensitive. He is mighty as a warrior. The Bible says he's mighty. He's a warrior spirit. He's powerful. Right? He's the one that, that set the st- moons and the stars in the sky, and he formed the earth. He's very powerful, and yet he's sensitive. We see it in King David. King David was led by the Spirit of God, and we see it because he's a mighty, powerful warrior king, but he was also sensitive. He would weep. Right? When he's going after, after Absalom, Absalom tries to take over the kingdom, Right and usurp him. David finds out and he sends these men. And he's like, "Don't let anything happen to Absalom." Right? And and he's like, just like he's fearing for his. But and yet he's powerful. He's like sending these guys. And at the end, Absalom is killed. And he finds out and he weeps. He weeps. He weeps for his rebellious son. And we see his sensitivity all throughout the Psalms. Right? When we read the Psalms. We see him, how he's going through all of these crazy things. Like he, his enemies are surrounding him, and he's, he's vanquishing them. He, all of these amazing things, and yet he, there's this sensitivity. There's this, there's this, 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 this like emotional uh, like connection that he has with God that's very sensitive. And that's why he's able to write so many psalms. Those psalms were not written just by David. It was written by the Holy Spirit because he was sensitive to the ways of the Holy Spirit. He is mighty and yet so sensitive and loving. That's the Holy Spirit. He is a member of the Godhead that resides in us and is always dealing with our crap. 
there's a there's a passage in Genesis, I believe it's Genesis six, where he talks about you know the you know there's this weird passage about the sons of God, and people say that uh, the sons of God were uh, angels that would like mate with humans and then create like these giants or whatever. But there's this one passage where he said he would limit the age of man. He's like my Holy Spirit, the, my spirit, the spirit of God will not deal with the with the immorality of man much longer. And then he, he actually shortens the lifespan of man to 120 years. Right? It's because the Holy Spirit, like God had a choice. He can actually remove the Holy Spirit from the earth, right? or he can actually lower the age of man because the Holy Spirit was getting fed up. Right? When you read it, it, it reads that way. It's like he can't, he can't take the immorality of the way that man is being. And we know that it, it got to a point where man, God had to literally destroy the earth. Minus Noah and his family, because of the wickedness of man, and we see that it doesn't affect God so much, it doesn't affect Jesus so much, but it actually affects the Holy Spirit. Right? You know, the the unforgivable sin. It says Jesus said, "You could talk about me all you want, right? you could say bad things to me, but the, if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, that's an unforgivable sin." Right? The Holy Spirit. There's like this protection that the Father and Jesus puts around the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is very sensitive. And understanding this will help us understand Him better and lead us down a path of intimacy with Him. If we want intimacy, we have to know who He is. If I want to be intimate with Mina, if we want to have an intimate relationship, I have to know her. Last night she was like, I don't feel, I don't think that we've been talking much. And then she came up to me and was like, I want to talk with you. And I was like, and I thought about it and then we haven't really talked in a long time. Right? Like, we were in Japan, and when we are in Japan, surrounded by family, we don't talk much. And then she had to go to Seoul because of her grandfather. And she came back, and then the kids, and we had all this thing, and then we really weren't communicating much. And if, I'm, if we're to know the Holy Spirit, we have to know who He is, and we have to know His personality. That's what's going to bring about and foster intimacy with the Holy Spirit. So how do we foster intimacy with the Holy Spirit? The number one thing I talked about it is... Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Living lives of awareness of His awareness in us. We have to be aware that He is aware of us. You guys understand what I'm talking about? Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, having put away, put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one, uh, members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your linger, and let no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fit the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. First Thessalonians 5:12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faith, faith, faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, see that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and, do, and to everyone. 
Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. In our pursuit of intimacy with the Holy Spirit, we must figure out what grieves Him, like what quenches Him, and do not do those things. We can grieve Him. He can be, he can be quenched. It doesn't mean that He's going to leave us, but I guarantee you, when you grieve Him, He will be quiet. He will feel distant from you. God will feel far from you when you grieve Him. A lot of times we feel, we feel far from God, and usually it's because we're doing things to grieve the Holy Spirit. We are doing things that quenches His fire. Let's read about some of the things that quench His fire, some of the things that grieve Him. Earlier in Galatians, we read, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, all of these different things, drunkenness, orgies, envy, division. We read it earlier in Ephesians 4. Therefore, having put away falsehood, right, when we're lying, right, uh, with uh, each other, we, we grieve God, right? Uh, be angry and do not sin. When we have anger, right, there's righteous anger. Is, anger is a healthy emotion, but when we allow that anger to turn into rage, to malice, when we start to, to really corrupt our hearts, right, that grieves the Holy Spirit. Let no corrupting talk come from your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion. That give that may give grace to those who hear. Are you guys like, well, I don't I don't say bad words. I don't curse. And I haven't said the F word in like years. Yeah. You may not curse, you may not say bad things, but like are you gossiping, right? Because this grieves the Holy Spirit. Are you being a critical person? Are you being critical of somebody? Right? That, that's what I fall into a lot of times. Like I, I, when, I when I'm critical at Mina, I can feel like the Holy Spirit is grieved, right? You know, like being cynical, cynicism grieves the Holy Spirit. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. When we have unforgiveness in our hearts, I grieve the Holy Spirit. There are certain things, right, where God will tell me, like, many times in my life where I feel like, hey, I feel far from you is because you haven't forgiven this person. Jesus talks about it. If you don't forgive the, your neighbor, I'm not, like, God and Father in heaven is not going to forgive you. It means that Father doesn't have that closeness that you can have with God kind of starts to deteriorate the, the, when you start to hold on to unforgiveness and when you hold on to bitterness and wrath and anger. And it says, abstain from every form of evil. I've seen Christians act very evil and wicked. You know, there's Christians that say, I'm a Christian. Then you see the way that they live their life. They, they look righteous life, but then you look at their heart and you see racism. You see bigotry. You, know, you see these things that are actually wicked. that are actually evil. And he's saying, this grieves the Holy Spirit. When we are living this way, Holy Spirit will feel very quiet. He will feel very distant. He won't be as active in your life as he can be because he is grieved. If you guys indulge yourselves in like pornography or like, you know, horror movies or things like that, you have to understand the Holy Spirit, God himself goes with you into those, into those things. There is no on and off switch with the Holy Spirit. There is no, I'm going to turn the Holy Spirit off and go and do this thing and indulge this thing. I'm, going to, I'm just going to shut him down. And then once I'm done, I'm going to turn him back on. 
you can't just shut him off while you indulge the things of the world and then turn him back on at church. He's in you all the time. And as you go into those things, as you start to do certain things in your life that you know that you're not supposed to do, right? Holy Spirit is like, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to force you not to do this. Right? Holy Spirit doesn't force you to do anything. Right? But he's saying, I'm not going to enjoy this, and I'm, I'm going to be grieved. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to feel far from you until you come back to me, until you repent. Now, I'm not saying that every time God is silent with you that it means you did something wrong. There's times or seasons of life where God can be very silent. Right? You might be doing everything right, and, and, and he might be silent. He might be silent to, to actually you know, teach you a lesson. He might be silent for, to, to have you cry out to him even more. Sometimes seasons of quietness causes us to cry out to God even more. And God loves that, right? It's like the season of wilderness. It's not season of wilderness. Everybody thinks it's supposed to be this like tight, quiet time where we're just like all oh, melancholy and walking around like Mr. Stumpalukovigus, you know, like, oh, hi, bird, you know. That's not seasons of wilderness. Wilderness is when God feels we have a season where things feel dry and, and, and things feel like, you know, doesn't feel right. You know, we feel far from God. And instead of just like getting depressed and just walking around, we actually start to cry out to God even more. But, but I'm telling you that when you do grieve the Spirit, He will be quiet. I guarantee you His presence will lessen and you will feel the distance from God that we usually feel when we are in sin, when we are in our flesh, when we are when when holding on to things in our life that, that grieves Him, that quench Him. Um, he will feel far from us. One thing that quenches the fire of the Holy Spirit is religion. The religious spirit, when we start to think and believe that our righteousness can make us right with God in any way, that quenches the spirit. That's why when we are in a church full of religious people, when there's that, that church of, with a religious spirit, you know, we don't feel the presence of the spirit. Because religion, basically the law, goes against what Jesus did on the cross. Pride, self-righteousness, judgy people... It quenches the spirit. And I've been to churches like that, right? I, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about conservative churches, right? There are great conservative churches out there, right? There are great conservative churches that I believe that worship the Lord and do everything, you know, in a way that is different from us, but that still pleases the world. I'm talking about churches where you could tell that the people are there are just religious. There's a religious spirit. But they judge you for not doing certain things. They judge you. Right? They condemn you for maybe having a tattoo. They condemn you for wearing a hat to church, right? Wearing flip flop to church, right? I'm just kidding, AJ. Right? You know those, you know those churches. You know those people. When you walk in and you just can feel the condemnation, is because you're not doing things the way that that you're supposed to do it, right? Though that kind of atmosphere, I guarantee you, Holy Spirit is quenched. The Holy Spirit is quenched in churches like that. Humility, brokenness, dependence on Jesus fans the flames of the Spirit. Pride, self-righteousness, being judgy, being judgmental, it quenches the Spirit. The religious Spirit will quench the Spirit of God. Right? One way that we can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit right, is in, in this is removing the distractions in our lives. Right? In 1 Corinthians 10.23, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is edifying. Right? 
There's a lot of things that distract us in our lives. TV, Instagram, sports, makeup tips, shopping. I, I hung around with my I hung around with my, my sister-in-law Emmy for like two weeks, and I can't believe how much she shops, right? Every every time we go anywhere, like, I wanna shop. I wanna shop, right? And she's just, you know, she's young and she just likes to shop. But this is, could be a distraction in our lives, right? I, this is a distraction for me. Right? As soon as I open my phone and then and, and, and I open coupon, like there's a feeling that comes over me. Like, ooh, what's new, right? This is, these are the distractions. And I'm not saying that these things are bad, right? But what are we talking about? We're talking about intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We have to first have a desire to be intimate. That means things need to change in our lives. Certain things need to kind of be put down so that we, that we can tell Holy Spirit that He is the most important person in our lives. We have to have that desire. We're talking about intimacy with the Holy Spirit. That means some, there's, there may be seasons of our lives when we need to put away some distractions. There's no easy life hack to intimacy with the Holy Spirit. There isn't an app for it. Right? We, can't, we can't Google it and then figure it out. We have to put in the work. It means denying certain things in our lives to let Him know that He is the most important, setting aside time, removing the distractions, and communing with him, listening to him, seeking him with all of our heart. Right? And Mina hates it when I try to when she's trying to talk to me and I have headphones in my ear. So I'm distracted. Right? And she just she gets very angry at times. She's like, Will you take those things out of your ears? And they're not even on. I just have them on. I was listening to something, I shut it down, I just they're just in my ear. And I'm just walking around and she'll say something. I go, What? And she, she just gets infuriated, right? But we would all feel we hate when people are distracted, when we're trying to communicate with them. But how can we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Right? One of the ways is to remove the distractions in our lives and focusing on Him, giving Him our time and our attention. There's no, there's no going, there's nothing, like there is no like way around this, right? We, we try to figure it out. We try to, try to be you know, like you know, in tune with the Holy Spirit, and we're like, you know, and, but then, but then, still be distracted and have all these things in our lives, right? You know, remember, Paul said, right? Spirit de- increases, flesh decreases. Flesh increases, the spirit decreases. So there's no easy fix around this. We have to put in the work. Now, another thing that we can do to be sensitive to Him is focusing on the things He likes. So Philippians 4, 8, 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Earlier we talked about in Second Thessalonians, it says, uh, do not quench the spirit. Uh, do, do not despise poverty. Test, wait, where was I? Rejoice always. Yeah, it says rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Right? And so he talks about, you know, be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace with one another. These are the things that excites the Holy Spirit. We foster intimacy with Him by doing what He likes. The immature Christian thinks that doing what he likes is boring, goes against our fun and what we want, 
But they fail to understand that when we focus on what the Holy Spirit wants, His wants becomes our wants, and His desires becomes our desires. He changes us, and it's not about God like pooping on our party, like being that Debbie Downer, like rum rum rum. It's about Him telling us and showing us how amazing He is, how amazing His presence is, and how beautiful God is. Spending time with Him in praise, in worship, in the Word, praying in the Spirit. If you have, if you have the gift of tongues, praying in the Spirit, talking and walking and praying for the city. Like going out and connecting people, connecting to people that are hurting and in need. You know, Holy Spirit loves that. When you meet somebody and then all of a sudden you're talking and then you have an opportunity to share the gospel with that person, that is the Holy Spirit's jam, right? He's like, that's my jam. Like he gets excited in those moments and I guarantee you, he will come alive in you when you, when you put yourselves in situations like that. So we become more sensitive when we start to do the things that the Holy Spirit likes. When we start to do the things that the Holy Spirit wants. And so the first thing is, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He is a person, right? He's with you on this journey forever. Right? We have to, like, you know, think about it. What was the longest car trip that you took? I think mine was like 27-something hours, right, from Seattle to L.A., right? And it, the passenger in there, we're on this long ride. Right? I have to be attentive to them. I have to be able to say, like, hey, like, you know, like, let's listen to some music. Let's do something. Let, let, like, I can't just be there, sit there, and just, like, not say anything and just do whatever the heck that I want to do. Right? It's going to make that ride so much worse than if, if we're in, in, in communion and in union and we're sensitive to one another. And Holy Spirit is on this ride with you forever, and we have to realize that he's a sensitive person. He's a very sensitive person, but if we're able to, like, really just, like, not grieve him, but but start to, like, you know, like, do the things that he likes to do, right, and then we start to, like, you know, we move some of the distractions in our life, we're going to be able to be, what Paul talks about is being in step with the Holy Spirit. We start to hear from him. We start to understand. We start to being led by him. And he leads us into exciting, like, paths in our lives that's going to really make us come alive in him. So the one is sensitive to the Holy Spirit creates intimacy. Another one is uh, encounter him in the word of God. The author of the Bible are men, but the inspiration and the true author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. Second Peter, Peter 1.20, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God. Right? The breath of God. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, Numa, right? He's talking about this, 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 the rach, the breath, right? It's, it's breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be a complete Equipped for every good work. One of the most important ways that we become intimate with the Holy Spirit is in His Word. In the Word of God. Holy Spirit has spoken it to us. The Word of God, this Bible, is the words of the Holy Spirit. He's already spoken to us. 
And as we read and we study and we meditate on his word, Holy Spirit brings revelation. He leads us to truth. And he illuminates the word of God. It's literally, a, it's a doctrine, a doctrine of illumination. He illuminates the word of God. Now, prophetic people that are not in the word of God regularly are dangerous. I'm not saying that prophetic is bad, but I'm just saying based on, they need to be based and rooted in the word of God. There's people that are very prophetic, and there's like this, like, like, Aversion to just like when people try to talk about the Word of God and they're just very, oh, I just want to hear from God directly, right? But, you know, I, we met Bobby Carner when we went to the retreat. And he is one of the most prophetic people that we probably have ever met. That dude has read so many Bibles that he has a bookshelf of Bibles that he's read through his lifetime. I think I have like two. That he, he would read with his hands so that all of the letters would just fall off the page and they would just be clear pages. We need to be rooted in the Word of God because the Word of God comes from the Spirit of God. The Word of God is alive and it's active. For the, it says, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And it is necessary for us to know God's will and His way, and it's the very thing that can transform and change us. It's the Word of God. Holy Spirit working with the Word of God to illuminate what God wants for us. The Bible says that the Word of God brings division between soul and spirit. The Word of God illuminated by the Holy Spirit can show you the division between soul and spirit, meaning what is you being led by your soul and what is you being led by the spirit. And that doesn't come sometimes with just the feeling. That comes from the Word of God has to be rooted. That the Word of God brings division between soul and spirit. The Word of God is going to be able to bring into us that conviction between what when we're being led by the soul and when we're being led by the spirit. Living a spiritual life in God is living a life navigated by the spiritual realm, which is unseen. It's not the natural things of the world that can be seen. Living a spiritual life is a little scary because the spiritual is unseen. It's the things of faith. Faith is according to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Um, now faith is uh, the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Living a life of faith is basing your life not on the natural things that you see around you, but on the spiritual truth that God has for us in his word that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a little scary. Because we might have been living our lives for many, many years based on the natural things of the world. I'm more inclined this way at times. When me and Mina get into some kind of things, I sometimes look at it in the natural first. And Mina's like, well, you have to look at it in the spiritual. Because we've been, we might have been looking at the world based on money, based on jobs, based on you know the comforts that come, the security that comes from the things of this world. But the Holy Spirit leads us through faith into the spiritual truth of God found in the Word of God. It says, Thy Word is the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. Remember earlier, we talked about doing things that the Holy Spirit likes to do. Well, the Holy Spirit loves it when we are in His Word. He loves to illuminate Scripture for us and point to testify about Jesus. He loves to bring revelation about the truth of God. 
about his commandments and how God wants you to live. And the more that we are in the word of God, I guarantee you the more that we will have a spiritual perspective. We can't expect to see the spiritual, like like perceive the spiritual aspect of, 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 of God if we're not in the word of God. Jesus said, my word is spirit and life. And it's written by the Spirit of God. So we need the Word of God. We need Holy Spirit to continue to reveal to us what is in the Word of God. And this brings intimacy. It brings intimacy with the Word of God, and it brings intimacy with the Holy Spirit. A non-believer can read at John 3.16 and have John 3.16 and have some understanding, right? Can make some, some sense of it. But it's a whole other thing when Holy Spirit brings you the revelation of just how much God loves you, just how much, how amazing of a sacrifice Jesus was on the cross. On the cross, when it, when we connect with the Spirit of God. In the Bible, it says, "Overcome evil with good." In our flesh, that makes no sense. Have you tried? Like when I'm in my, it's like happens sometimes when somebody does something bad to me. First thing I want to do is, you know, like do bad onto them, right? And the Holy Spirit tells me, overcome evil with good. And then I'm like, and when I'm in my flesh, I'm like, that makes no sense to me, God. That makes no sense to me. But it's only when the Holy Spirit illuminates the Word of God and that, that becomes truth in our hearts that we're able to follow. And then now that truth becomes more of a, tr- of a truth to us than how we would feel in the flesh. So we, we come to find intimacy with the Holy Spirit when we are in His Word um, and intimate with His Word, being led and guided by the Holy Spirit. We find intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We realize how God uses the Word of God to affect our lives. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? And three, we find intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We find uh, when we're teachable and obedient. John fourteen twenty six 26, so Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to teach us. Teach us about godly, spirit-led living. Teach us about Jesus. Reveal to us Jesus. Now, he does this in different ways. He does it through his word, like we talked about. But he also does it in his still, small voice. Remember? And Elijah, the still, small voice, right? That we hear somebody, that voice that we hear that tells us, hey, hey, don't don't talk to your wife that way, right? Don't don't get angry at this person, right? Like keep calm, turn off the TV, stop looking at Instagram, right? Like, don't look at your phone, right? Stop looking at your phone, right? stop looking at, don't click on that link on the internet, right? Don't don't go there. That's that still small voice that that speaks to us. They, like, like, I want you to pray. I want you, you to seek me in the Word. I, I'm sure we've all experienced God in this way when, when, when the Holy Spirit speaks. And we, at that moment, we have to be teachable. Right? Or He sometimes speaks to us very loudly. Right? Like A lot of times when He wants to warn us, when we're about to do something, the Holy Spirit will tell us, don't do that. Right? We've ever experienced something like that. right? Where the Holy Spirit will tell us, hey, don't go there. Don't do that. Right? Like, like an example... I think I've said this before, is that Mina was really into essential oils, right? 
She was really into essential oils. But at the same time, she had the worst year of skin in her life. We've been married for eight years now, almost eight years. And this one year, right, it was the course of about a year, her skin was just so bad. You guys saw it, right? It was just so bad. Like, it would get so crazy. And she would take pictures of it and have people pray for her. Um, and then I, and I would pray for her, and I would, you know, like, we would always continue to ask God, please heal her skin. It was bad like this for a whole year, right? And then one day, I opened this box that came in the mail from America. I opened it. And then it was these essential oil roller things that she had ordered. And on the top, it had this picture of a wizard holding this wand. And immediately at that moment, Holy Spirit spoke to me very loudly. Boom, boom. He said, have Mina stop using essential oils for two months. Right? And when that happened, right, I was like, I felt it very clearly in my, in my mind. I was like, and I told her immediately, I was like, I, I think you're supposed to not use it for two months. Right? So can we just decide? You won't use it for two months. Because she was going to this doctor. Um, it's the same woman that diagnosed uh, Rebecca's thyroid disease, right? Very close to Grace. She was going to this doctor, and she was using all of these different essential oils in her hair and her body. And she would sit in this steam thing to, like, you know, um, you know get that oil inside of her. Right? She, every time she would go to do that, it would get worse. And I, and I, and I thought, I was like, oh, it's the essential oil. Something, something's definitely off. And so she stopped doing that, and she stopped using essential oils for two months, right? And then her skin got completely, like, like I, hadn't, I haven't seen it that good throughout our whole entire marriage, right? It was just, like, out of nowhere. And then I got really prideful and said, oh, essential oils are demonic, right? I told her, no, I don't want it in my house. But I realized more and more the Holy Spirit is leading me, like, hey, she's allergic to something in these oils. Tell her to stop, right? <laughs> right? I, I, I've come to realize that Holy Spirit was leading me Right, that it wasn't demonic, yeah, teachable. That that he w- that there was something in there that she was allergic to, right? And I feel like she's allergic to a lot of it. That's why it's just it was so bad, right? I, and and so um, at those moments, pe- people talk to you. Like, I know people that were about to like you know get into a car, and Holy Spirit would tell them, hey, like don't go, don't leave. Now, there's somebody that said that they were supposed to be on. Um, like an airplane and that crashed, and the Holy Spirit would tell him, hey, don't get on that plane. Right? Sometimes he speaks to us very loudly. But either way, in however way that he speaks to you, it's important that we're attentive and we're teachable. Right? Teachability points to intimacy. Mina is an awesome mom, and I know this is because our kids are very teachable with her. Right? A little, she, they're also teachable with me, but she's a lot, they're way more teachable with Mina, right? It's because they understand that she loves them and there is this mutual respect and connection between them. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher and He speaks to us, He comes to lead us and guide us, and we need to be teachable in our hearts. And when we're teachable, it points to our intimacy and our connection with the Holy Spirit. That we are tender, that we are moldable, that we are shapeable. And then when we are teachable, we need to be obedient. There is no intimacy without obedience. You guys know that? That there is no intimacy outside of obedience. Mina and I have marriage vows that says that we are to love and honor and serve one another and be faithful to one another. Now I can tell Mina I love her until I'm blue in the face, but if I'm sleeping around with all these different women, there is no intimacy there. If I'm not being obedient to the promises we made to each other, it doesn't matter how much, 
how many gifts I give her, how many times I love, how I love her, how, many, how, I, how caring I am around her. There is no true intimacy. There is no intimacy outside of obedience. With, and with God, true intimacy with Him comes in obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Right? And obedience to the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the intimacy we have with Him. When we see Him for who He is, He's the God of the universe. He's a member of the Godhead that is in us to love us and to lead us. He's worthy of our affection. He's worthy of our love. He's worthy of our surrender. The proof of that is obedience. We could tell them that all we want with our mouth. Holy Spirit, I love you. Holy Spirit, oh, you are my everything. We could song, sing songs to them and we could write blogs about him and we could post and click on all these things about Holy Spirit on Instagram. But if there is no obedience to the Holy Spirit in our hearts, there is no intimacy there. A lot of times we feel like we're intimate with the Holy Spirit. When we put up a nice Instagram picture, Holy Spirit is this. And everybody clicks on it. And they're like, oh, No. There needs to be intimacy. In order for there to be intimacy, there needs to be that obedience where where you're being shaped and molded and informed by the Holy Spirit into being the person that He wants you to be. That only comes from obedience. It only comes from hearing His Word and saying, God, I will do. I will obey. It might take some time. right? Holy Spirit can be patient. right? It might take some time where He tells you to do this and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Then eventually, He... If you truly are intimate with Him, you will obey. And in that obedience, you're going to find you know, the, the, the fullness of your relationship that you have with Him. And let me tell you, when you start obeying, not because you're supposed to obey God or because there's a rule or a law, but when you start obeying because you have His presence in you and you hear His voice and you feel the conviction that He brings, you know, obedience no longer becomes a duty. It becomes a, a a privilege, and, a, and it, it, it becomes a pleasure. You know, Holy Spirit, the Bible says that He is coming to the world to bring conviction to man. He, he doesn't condemn us. He's not coming to condemn us. He's here to bring conviction. It's very different. A lot of times, we look at God and we feel like, ah, oh, even though the Bible says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, I still feel like a little condemned, right? But we're looking at Him wrong. It's because you don't have the... Holy Spirit in you to bring you conviction. Because when Holy Spirit is in you and you feel His conviction, it's very different than condemnation. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit isn't a bad thing. It's a thing of grace. And it's in our obedience to His conviction we find true intimacy with Him and we're able to find grace. Right? No, conviction is grace. Conviction is, hey, you're not supposed to go down this path. And so now I'm going to convict you. I'm going to put this. I'm going to put this thing in your heart that's not going to feel good. But then in the end, it's for your good. It's grace for you. And that's where we find true transformation. The Holy Spirit came not to change our behavior. He didn't come for behavior modifications. But he came for life transformation. Right? And in that transformation, it can only come as the Holy Spirit brings conviction, and then you start to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul is talking about, being in step with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit to tell you to step here, you step there. Holy Spirit tells you to step here, you step there. Tell, Holy Spirit to, tells you to step on this this poo? I don't want to. Right? I don't want to step on this poo, right? I'm going to ruin my shoes. I'm going to do all this bad things. But then Holy Spirit says, hey, I want you to step on the poo. 
So you, you step on the poo. And then all of a sudden, he leads you. They're, they're, he's going to lead you into times where it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to feel good. There's going to be seasons in your life that it's going to feel like a struggle and a trial. But he is leading you down this to bring conviction into your heart. And ultimately, obedience is going to lead you down the path that he has. And the path that he has for you is life. Holy Spirit brings life. Where the, he brings freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right? The Holy Spirit is with us. He is for us to teach and guide and lead us in his word through his voice so that we are compelled by his power and his love and grace to obey him, to be led by him. Now I have a fourth point that I wanted to share, but I'm going to leave it. It's called earnestly desire the spiritual gift. It's one of the ways we can find intimacy with him is to earnestly desire and walk out in the spiritual gifts. But I feel like that's more... uh, for the next sermon that Mina is going to preach about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You know, like one of the amazing, I wanted Mina to, to, to preach this is because she has a gift, right? She would do these, she would do these uh, the seminars at retreats about tongues, right? And they're very, you know, simple and they're, you know, straightforward. You know, she, they're not, she doesn't like, oh, like, she's just like, like explaining things, like logically what's in the Bible and then she would have people pray and then all these people would get the gift of tongues. A young, right? God could give tongue. All these people in Australia that when we went and she did it, we get the gift of tongues. Right? And, and 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 it's a what it's a way that we can be more intimate with the Holy Spirit. He gives us gifts, right? And as we use the gifts, we feel the power of the Spirit even more. And now we're as we're empowered, we find this intimacy with God that we haven't had before. Right? Praying in tongues is like that. When we pray in tongues, right, at home. You know, there's certain people pray hours in tongues. And then and some of those people are the people that are most in tune with God and they know Jesus the best. You guys have to understand, Holy Spirit, we know Holy Spirit. In order for us to know Jesus, we have to know the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus said, He's coming so that, so that you know, and He's going to testify about me. Right? The same way the Pharisees tried to know the Father right, without Jesus. Right? They, he, Jesus came and they're like, oh, you know, I don't want to li- talk to this Jesus guy. I'm just going to deal with the Father based on what I know of him through the o- Old Testament scripture. Right? That's how I'm going to know him. And they couldn't know the Father without Jesus. Right? Because Jesus is like, I, if you want to know the Father, you have to know me. When the same way, if you want to know the Holy Spirit, if you want to know Jesus, right, if you want to be intimate with Jesus, if you want to hear from him, if you want to be in tune with him, we have to know the Holy Spirit. We have to be intimate with the Holy Spirit, right? One of the ways is through spiritual gifts. We know we'll talk about that in the next sermon. But for now, let's close there. Let's all stand up.